Welcome to Finding Emo, our podcast where we discuss our favorite albums from the early aughts and thereabouts. I am Blake Fisher. I'm joined by Chris Monier and Kyle Simmons. As per the usual, uh, we, I'm never joined by anyone else. That's who does this <laughs> podcast, the three of us. Um, you know, thank you for joining us. And uh, we would love if you give us a review, if you subscribe. Those are all the good things that you can do to help us out. Um, and again, uh, you know, we're still in the middle of this election that will never end. Um, so your five-star review counts as a vote against whoever you hate. Okay. That's perfect. Doesn't matter who it is. Uh, and you can keep that opinion to yourself. You don't have to tell us about it cause we don't care. Uh, yeah. but a five-star review for us means yep. some sort of magic voodoo political stuff. No, we've got a server algorithm, AI enemy. So it's if you're a AI. blue, your team blue damages a red person. If your team red damages a blue person. I think that's also halo, right? Is that team red and blue? Anyway, we're in the middle of that still. Uh, and of course we got Halloween coming up this week. So we picked a Halloweeny sort of record. Um, we feel like a little bit, we're going to do AFI's, Sing the Sorrow, and uh, Chris Monier has some stuff about that. Yeah, so, you know, I was kind of a passive AFI fan um, in the aughts. Um, I didn't know a lot about them. Like, I I had been played their records when, you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s. Honestly, it wasn't my bag. Like, I I didn't really dig it. But um, this record... There was their kind of okay, so it's kind of hard to explain <laughs> because uh, you know these guys had been playing music together for a lot of years, and then yeah, I didn't realize how long they'd been a band. Yes, right, like a decade. They've been yeah, a band for a long time. Right, and the weird thing is, is that when when they talk about making this record, they don't really make it sound like it was that big of a deal, but then. Like if you listen to like the subtext of what they're talking about, they're like, oh yeah, it was like our first major label budget and we've been playing for 12 years. Like before this record was made, they all lived in the same house called, I think it was called the squat in, in Berkeley or Oakland. They all lived together. Like while they were making this record, like they, they, <laughs> they yeah, were, I mean, they were not a, a big... punk rock band. Yeah. Um, and, and so um, they signed to DreamWorks and uh um, which is a huge label at the mm-hmm. time i mean it's yeah. like one of the biggest basically. monstrous yeah and it's one of the big five um, or the, four at that point i can't remember and two gentlemen that i've never heard of in my life helped produce this record uh butch vig is it vig 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 yeah butch vig that's right butch vig. yes oh, he yes, also him. did another record called nevermind by nirvana and uh, uh jerry well jerry others, yeah. jerry finn who we've talked about dozens a of times, times already yeah um produced this record um and once again when 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 you read interviews or see any video interviews of these guys talking about this record they're like yeah we got some great producers it was really cool um they're super mellow about like the process of making this record all they talk about when they talk about making this record is how they finally had a big budget and more time and a real studio to make this record like one thing Davey says when he talks about making this record was it was the first time that he didn't have two days at the end of the record to, to do, do his vocals. vocals. Oh, wow. Yeah. So like he was like, cause he said a lot of his performances 
on the previous records sound the way they do because his vo- his vocal cords were so strained. Yeah. He just had to sing for like 10 hours a day for exactly. two days. Yeah. And they had months to make this record. So, you know, the, the guys talk a, a lot about when they're talking about making this record is the first time they had a lot of time to like kind of explore some of the concepts and ideas that they had been wanting to explore for a long time. But the problem with that was that that record kind of, um, this record kind of, I guess it kind of, made some of the more true AFI fans uh, feel like they kind of sold out because they spent a little more time producing it and, uh, you know, taking a little time with it. Um, you know, there's always some... bothers me when that's what people have a problem with. Is you sound good. You time. sold out. Yeah. Right. I'm like, dude, it, it's different if they were like, hey, pop songs with dancing are really popular right now. Let's be that. That's selling out maybe. But like, right. I don't ever understand that like, oh, they – took their time and they got to actually like go into a studio and work with real producers. And right. when that, when people knock against someone for that, I'm just, I don't understand like, what right. I, and I, I, maybe it's because those people that make those kind of complaints don't have like an understanding of the music studio process right. is at all. Like they right. probably don't, they probably no. just don't understand that the reason it sounded crappy wasn't because they were trying to sound crappy. It's because they didn't have the time to make it sound better. Right. No one's ever like, hey, we'd like, I mean, for the most part, no one's ever like, hey, we'd like to sound kind of crappy if that's okay. Um, this is what we, and they just pass along some like punk rock mixtape or something. This is what we're going for, Butch. Uh, if you could <laughs> make us sound like this. Right. Um, um, so that's interesting to me. Yeah. So, and then I just want to share one tidbit about please, the making of this record before we kind of go into it is uh, one, one thing they talked about is like when they first met with Butch Vig um, about making the record, I guess he, he was having a bout of, um, I think it's called cerebral, not cerebral palsy, balls, yeah. bell palsy, bell palsy. Yes. And so <laughs> this to me feels like minutes too far luck, like our band, like that we would get like the best producer in the world. And then the first time we met him, he was like having this bout of, that palsy so like half of his face didn't work and they were meeting him for the first time and they're like they're like hey are you okay he's like no it's this thing i'm going through like i'm fine i feel fine but like half of my face doesn't work um oh my gosh. i didn't know he had that <laughs> well it's a it's something that you can go you through can in moments not have it. right right like so they're like or something so the the you know the guitarist for uh afi was like hey should you really be working on a record like are you okay it's like oh no no i feel fine like i'm all good um, so anyway, I just thought that was funny. Cause I thought like after, um, after 12 years of playing music and touring, they got these amazing producers and then, yeah, <laughs> anyway, but okay, so, so here's a question that I yeah. don't know if you found an answer to is how did the two producer thing come about? I mean, like, I think huge producers, right? Right. I think it had a lot to do with the fact that Butch had to leave, um, for a tour, a plane tour with garbage at the time. Okay. So he knew he was going to be away from the record making process for a big chunk of it in the middle. Okay. So he basically got to start with them and kind of start planning and then come in at the end and they do kind of two more records them. with both of them. Yeah. Well, Together. maybe they, but right. So I, it must've worked. I don't have a lot of information about that, but right. that's my guess is that they were like, Hey, this was actually really cool. So yeah, we cause should I do it again. I didn't realize that. And then I look it up. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, what did so Butch Fig and Jerry Finn are doing this record with them. And then I was like, well, I thought it must've been something like that. It must've yeah. been like, 
oh, or maybe they did a couple songs with these guys and did a couple songs with these guys, or maybe it was, you know, the label wanted to do a single with Jerry Finn, because obviously Jerry Finn is making gigantic bands at that point. But then I look at the discography and there's two other records that are produced by Jerry Finn and Butch Vig. And I'm like, well, maybe it just worked, but you don't see a lot of that happen where it's like two huge producers work on a record unless it's like this one worked on these songs and this one worked on these songs, right. but you don't normally like three peat that. But anyway, that's, yeah, those are big producers. I mean, right. That was my guess. Uh, you know, through some other research, um, you know, after Michael Graves left the misfits in 2000, um, they'd approached Davey Havoc about being the lead singer of the Misfits. I, and if you know anything about AFI, you know that like they're obviously heavily influenced by the Misfits. Sure. Yeah. So my impression is that even though this band was kind of a undergroundish band on Nitro records through the nineties, that they were one of those scene bands that like, if you knew about music and cared about it, you just loved what these guys were doing and just knew that they were going to be something cool. So it doesn't shock me at all that like two major producers would want to work with them especially if those producers were Misfits fans or, or fans of, you know, any of that, that, that kind of music. Yeah. I read an interview that was talking about specifically like the signing with DreamWorks and stuff and how they took it super seriously. And they're like, we want to talk to the head of label. We want to figure out yeah. like, what are you going to do? Like, what's your plan? Like, right. they want to know all the business stuff, which is how you should do it. I mean, it shouldn't just be like, a, Oh, hooray, sign the thing. They like wanted to make sure it was going to be a good fit. And you're right. I read the same thing. It's not like they were, the goal wasn't like, oh, we're going to work with a better producer next time. It was just like, that's kind of how it worked out. And obviously they very much enjoyed that, but that's not like, they said that wasn't why they signed the major label deal. But I mean, it's got to be part of it. I mean, my goodness. I mean, that's a, right. But we signed with DreamWorks and they're like, hey, we're going to let you work with the two. I mean, really, Butch Vig at that point is a decade into make like doing tons of huge records smashing pumpkins and nirvana and garbage and i mean just tons of stuff throughout the 90s um that's just the biggest ones but and then jerry finn's the same thing a couple years before he does you know uh whatever he does green day he does blink way too he does so it's in, just interesting that they got to work with both of them on one record yeah yeah well it, you know once again the, the negotiation you're talking about these guys are all living in one apartment together in california so obviously <laughs> yeah like they took what they were doing very seriously but they also just like loved what they're doing so like yeah. they didn't want to uh sully that in any way yeah. like we like we're having fun we like the music we make we like what we're doing with our lives so we're totally down to sound a major label but we're, we don't want to change anything about us we just want you guys to give us more opportunities to explore some of the musical ideas that you know we've been processing but haven't been able to explore because you know nitro records uh, you know, Dexter from Offspring doesn't quite have the money to pay us enough. He can't give us a million dollar budget or whatever. <laughs> yeah, to because um, this record took months, and they're used to recording yeah. records in in weeks. You know, before he, this time, he didn't want to spend pretty fly for a white guy money. <laughs> money. He he wanted to spend some of that smash money, uh, but not pretty fly for a white guy money on him. Right. Now that's, uh, that's very yeah. Put, he made some, very well. He made some money on that. You know uh, what? Okay, they well, probably so- made some money on Smash. I, sh- I mean, it's a great record. Not as much as that. <laughs> they didn't make as, <laughs> as much as Pretty Fly for a White Guy. That got a ton of. They didn't play. make that kind of money. Yeah. Uh, any other factoids about the record before we jump into first impressions and whatnot? No, I mean, I think. Uh, well, other than uh, I can't remember the name of the studio right now, but it's where Pet Sounds was recorded. Um, 
Yeah, Beach I didn't Boys look up album. what the name of the studio was, but yeah, that's. A, I just can't remember it right now. Uh, but it, yeah, it was. Uh, once again, though, like when you when you watch the interviews with the guys talking about making the record, they're like, oh yeah, that was pretty cool. It's just really into like what what they were doing to the point yeah. where like the whole idea of stardom and like being millionaires didn't. I, I don't think it ever appealed to them, even though it ended up happening. It wasn't like the goal. Um, yeah. The studio thing is so funny because that's all I think about the couple times I've been in those kind of studios where like, I know some record has been made yeah. there. Like just, you know, I don't know, not feeling worthy of being in a studio where Tom Petty or, uh, you know, green day or whoever it may be, uh, recorded something. You're just like, ah, oh, this doesn't feel like I should be here. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, it, I, you know, maybe it didn't matter to them, but anyway, that's interesting. Uh, Kyle. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, I think it mattered, but at the same time, it was just like, this is basically just a room, a vessel for us to do like what we like doing. Yeah. I just can't get out of my head in those situations. So, um, Kyle, what about your first impressions? Go to that first. Um, so I had heard AFI before and I'm, I was not a huge fan. I didn't hate them, but I just wasn't a big fan. Um, this this record, the first impression was, holy crap, this band is is not what I thought they were. And also, I do think it's absurd to think that they had fans saying they sold out because like <laughs> nobody nobody sounded like AFI. You know what I mean? It's not like yeah, oh the, this. It, yeah. It'd be different if they sounded like someone else, but th- this it's such a unique they kind of have their own thing going on. You know what I mean? And, and, and it's very easily recognizable. And, uh, the moment that I, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so, so sorry, sorry. Just a quick pause. So I, I put like a bunch of like uh, soda waters in my office because like when I walk outside, uh, ah. during the day, ah. And the kids hear me, they right, yeah, freak out. Over. So yeah. I have to stay in here. So yeah. I'm sorry. I was just no, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Sorry, Kyle. I was just saying that they've got such a distinct sound, so it just seems absurd to me for someone to say that they sold out because this, what what my first impression was of this record is that it was really great, it was really interesting, and it didn't sound like anything else I had heard at the time. Yeah, I, I one that's a great point, Kyle. Because I I always think of salt selling out as like, oh, they, um, whatever something was popular and they went that direction right. with their music, or they like go for the totally polished thing where that wasn't their thing before. In the sense that, like, you know, you can tell when something's overproduced, right? Like, you know, whatever that means. It might mean that there's like orchestration all over it, but it just depends on each band or whatever. But yeah, I've never they didn't sound like. It wasn't like I was like, oh, they sound like this band. Now, I would have also applied your uh, description of it's like a vampire band to yeah. AFI, by the way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> same thing as My Chemical Romance. That that might have uh, sat with me. But yeah, I agree, Kyle. There's just no, there's no sellout. Uh, I don't get that vibe at all here. But Also, I prefer their full name. A Fire Inside is as badass of a name as there ever was. Yeah, I uh is there is that just something did they always go by AFI? Like or was it like a thing they shortened at some point cuz that's just what everyone called them. I think they've always been all... AFI but it just stood for a fire inside. A fire inside is better. Yeah, it's a cool name in my opinion. Um especially because all day today as I was uh prepping 
prepping for, for this episode, prepping. um, and doing the clips and stuff. I kept typing API because obviously I work with the uh, website stuff. So, um, <laughs> not AFI. Um, so maybe that's mine. Uh, Chris, what's your, you kind of mentioned a little bit about your first impression, but any other, uh, first impression kind of stuff? Almost identical to Kyle. Uh, the, really the only experience I'd had with the AFI, um, up to this was the total immortal EP, um, which was incredibly badass, which I think they kind of did like almost right before this record. Um, but, um, dude, this record de- debuted at like number five on billboard. Like it was a monster. So yeah, like, you'd even heard of AFI, like you gave it a shot because you were like, something's going on here. Well, that's, yeah, the, so- that's the other thing that kind of, so I didn't know if you had anything on that because like, I'm pretty sure just briefly looking over it that they sold like 90,000 units in two weeks and like no, did not i think that was the first week nobody no aside from like punk people nobody knew who afi was so that is significant i mean that's yeah. that's insane well it's all i mean that's i mean on the last episode we did the use that's what their sophomore album sold in a week right right you know what i mean like right. and i know that like you know for all intents and purposes, we're not counting this as a later album because most people had never heard of a right. AFI at this point. They probably hadn't sold ninety five thousand copies of any of those other. Records. They're collected. The the collective. I think, yeah. I think if you if you were into punk music at all, if you were into like emo music at all, there was some friend, some person that you knew that was into AFI, so yeah. you'd heard of them. Like for me, it was Andy Loper. Like he was. I had heard of, like, but I had not heard. The old, the old stuff. So then when you see that, that they got signed to a major label, you kind of click and you go like, all right, there must be something going on here. And then you give the record a chance. It's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I, and, and they hit it right at the perfect time. 2003, you know, where yeah. punk rock was kind of getting really cool. I just think they, they just rang the bell at the perfect time. Um, also, and the record's great. Also, like, don't get me wrong. Yeah. DreamWorks so. knew what they were doing. I mean, I mean yeah. we, we've, <laughs> uh, We've talked, we've talked about it before, like in, in, it just so happens the I think like the last three episodes we've talked about it, but like what a, what a front man, what a dynamic front man. Like Davey Havoc is so yes. cool and his voice is, I mean, it, it, there's no denying it when you hear it, you know what I mean? So like pretty strong presence. Yeah, I mean, I think that was my kind of same thing. It was like some, it was probably you, Chris, actually, that was like, hey, you should check out this AFI record. And I think I'd heard AFI before, but it was not, it's not my thing, like for sure. They're, exactly. they're old stuff. It wasn't my stuff. This record, though, was, I was like, I mean, I was like, oh, this is different mm-hmm. than what I'd heard right. before. If I had heard anything, I'm pretty sure I had. And it was, I'm with you, Kyle. It didn't sound like anything else. I mean, I can hear all the influences yeah. and stuff and be like, oh, well, this is very, uh, it just, it ranges a lot. There's yeah. some stuff that's kind of like straight, uh, like you know, straight punky. There's some weird kind of gothy stuff in there. There's yep. almost some like metally stuff. There's some like there's straight up Eddie Van Halen guitar solos on it. Some electronic. Uh, yeah, there's up. electronic stuff. Some so freaking it's, it's rock, really, like rockabilly. Yeah. I mean, now I will say I like. I was impressed by the record, but it's it. His voice is impressive, but I don't love it. Um, it's just one of the, you know, how sometimes Absolutely. there's a voice that you have that's like that, where you're like, I can't get into it. I'm not denying the talent in this band or even in his voice. Like he hits some notes on this record that are like unreal, <laughs> you know? Uh, so it's like, it was one of those things where I was like, I like, I like the record for the most part. It was more of like a background record for me though. Mm-hmm. It was not like, 
I don't know if I threw it in the car all the time and like rocked out to it. Although it deserves that some at some points on this record for sure. So I was probably a little bit less into it than you guys, but I still totally the first time I heard it, I was like, oh, like this is cool, you know. Um well I think he has my first impression. I think he has one of those voices too, right? That like I I I don't think it's for everyone, but it's for sure like it's a thing, you know, like, oh, that's freaking Davey Havoc. I can recognize it for sure, which I've, I've talked about that with lots of, I mean, really so far on this podcast, that's kind of like what we've done. We will get into some bands that aren't like that as much, I'm sure. But so far we've done pretty much everyone has a totally, you can pick it out of like, if it was playing and you never heard the song, you'd be like, that is, and Davey Havoc would be one of them. Um, you know, maybe Ryan Key from Yellow Card is the only one I can think of what we've done so far that's like a little, I think I would under, hear it and pick it out, but I don't know that everyone would. But I mean, everyone's picking out Davey Havoc. Everyone's picking out um, Newfound Glory and Blink-182. And I feel like these are all like really recognizable vocals. And I think that's my favorite thing in a band is yeah. kind of bums me out when there's a band that like has a lead singer that just sounds like someone else. Right. Or even just sounds generic enough that I, I they don't stand out uh, to me. Also, even if they have a great voice. So, so Hoobis, sorry, I was going to say Hoobis, Hoobis Tank. Hoobis yeah, Tank. something like that's a good example of like, I don't I mean, generic know. rock vocals. Yeah. Um, so and they're not even bad. I just like it's not, you know, there's not a, a, a fingerprint to it where I can just identify it immediately when I hear it. So because of that, like imagine because all of us have played in bands, imagine Davey Havoc showing up to your band practice to audition. Like that's a di- like you're, you're you're freaking out like, whoa, we got something. You know what I mean? Because yeah. he's so unique and he has that he has a sound that is his. You know what I mean? So yeah, sure it may not be for the dice on sometimes, though, you know, like you don't I don't know, know he's, if it's he's a cool dude, man. Oh. No, not not him specifically. I'm just saying in general yeah. when that happens. Yeah, you maybe you go too far. That it's gonna Kyle, work out. Kyle's like, step off, man. Davey Havoc, cool. bro. No, because I think of that with uh, Adam Duritz from Counting Crows all the time. I'm like, yes. If he walked into a the same thing, a band <laughs> rehearsal or <laughs> something like really that, that's a really good point. Yeah, you know what I mean, you might not you might not be impressed I'm, with it. I'm but not then sure about this, Adam. <laughs> but then you don't realize like <laughs> yeah. how you know he's like one of those voices where yep. you're like, oh, I can't imagine not having that now but uh i might have been like oh i don't know i don't know that's it's a it's a weird thing i think about but um yeah but that's yeah his range is <laughs> certainly outrageous i mean can you imagine chad kroger from nickelback singing round here <laughs> what <laughs> why why do you bring up nickelback on this scott podcast stapp? so much kyle it's you no. scott stapp perhaps it's you I mean, this, uh, the song would be better. <laughs> no. Uh, okay. Uh, shall we go to track by track, fellas? Sure. Uh, so here's the first problem is that I don't know how to pronounce the first. Yeah, no, I'm with you, man. Hey, hey, uh, can I just do, can I, can I just say something before track by track? Can of I, course you can. Okay. Yeah, please. So I would, if, if it's okay with you guys, not only would I like to tell you what I think about these songs, I do want to say before we get into this, I do think that these lyrics on this album are the most emo lyrics that we've done yet. Oh, hold on. No. Okay. And before, so, yeah. Okay, that's, and, I'm glad you brought that up. And so I, I would like to, I would like to mention after each song, just, just a, a single 
emo, very emo line that I picked from each song. If that's okay with you guys, <laughs> that's yeah, okay, fine. that's great. Because Here, g- because like I I would always sing along. Like, uh, sorry, <laughs> I, I I know we're on like so many tangents, but and I know this podcast has already filled your whole hard drive <laughs> on your phone. But like, when every time like I would listen to a song, I realized like as a as a younger dude, like I think I kind of sung along like nah. Well, yeah. Like I never really like. <laughs> yeah, I really understand lyrics. most of what yeah. he's saying. When I actually record, read honestly. the lyrics, I was like, "Oh, come on, what? No, well, <laughs> I mean, it's poetic. I don't know. Like, it was just like a, a, a mental roller coaster for me." Well, I was going to bring up Kyle. Is this <laughs> not okay? If we had to have a, a, we talk about this all the time. If we had a tournament for the most solid emo song titles on the back of a record, yeah. would this maybe win? Yeah, I mean, it, every one of it's like so. That's uh, to me, that's another identifier sometimes but, of emo but, bands. But, but, is, yeah, but what's what's crazy is that like, whereas like other bands would do like this tongue in cheek thing, where it's like cutesy, funny. No, they're being real. Oh. Yes, like yeah. they like I don't know. There was no, no, something no. Really Fall Out Boy was definitely about doing it. this like tongue in cheek yes. thing, exactly. And mm. but I think you can identify it. But then they were doing the like, this was real. And yep. this yeah. was, and I think a lot of people that were in really crappy bands were, <laughs> yeah. were in on this level as far as like they took it. We, Chris, how many shows did we play with people that were uh, about a hundred times worse than AFI as a band? But they took them, they thought they were as, they well, took Davey, it as seriously as AFI. Right. But Davey did. Havoc was uh, like a double major at UC Berkeley and quit college to be in this band. So he's right. like a very intelligent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, red man. So no, he took it seriously it, for sure. Right. But it comes across that way. Like it's, it's genuine and beautiful, but it's also just like, what? I'm not saying it doesn't work. <laughs> I'm not saying it doesn't work for them. No, All I'm either. saying is like today I was laughing at some of the lyrics <laughs> yes, because it's no. like, here's the thing. I looked this up, is we'll, emo. We, well, let's go track by track okay. and we'll talk about some of them because honestly I realized when I listened to it again, I hadn't listened to this record in a while. Um, it, I did not understand most of what he was. I realized I was like, I don't know what this chorus is saying. And I would go and I'd, I, and I would test myself and like, look like, okay, I think they're saying this and I'd go look up the lyrics and see if I was right or not. Um, and I was right sometimes where I was like, Oh, I just didn't think that was the actual lyric, but it turns out it is anyway. Okay. So let's go to what I assume is like Miseria Cantari. Is that what we're saying? Or are you doing your accent again? Kyle. Cantari. 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 Alright, let's go to the first track of the record. That's what we're gonna call it. I mean, right off the bat, my first note is that <laughs> was their concert just all like pointing the mic at the crowd? Dude, dude. I never okay. saw them live. Okay, so I just have to tell you this. So yeah. like w- my boss gave me tickets to see this show at the Coca-Cola Event Center in Oklahoma City. And I remember me and my buddy Tyler Thomason, uh, he was like, they're going to open with that song, the opening track of the record. How could like, you not? 
Right, but I my vote was like, there's no way they're opening with that. It's got all the electronic stuff and the gang vocals. Like they're not going to be able to pull it off, dude. And so sure enough, like I hear the the chimes when they come. How could you they come not out. open with that track, and, man? And, but you're right. Everybody knew. Everybody already knew it because it was insane. Had already played that CD, and that opening track probably sold ten thousand records just because it, it was the best. It's a good opening dude. track, <laughs> dude. The energy, the energy from the crowd, like. Yes. Like, were you at that show? Yes, dude. Oh, it was so good. <laughs> it was. I mean, it so was good. epic. I mean, I I don't remember a lot of shows like I remember that. That one is memorable. That show. There are just certain songs you hear and you go like, oh, I can hear what that Kyle is did, like Kyle, live, you, and it's even better than the record, probably. You Kyle, know? Do you think they were going to open with that song? So, I don't think. I don't think I was even thinking about that at the time. See, oh. Chris and I always try to guess the yeah. opening uh, it, opening song someone's going to open with their show with. But it's, it's kind of like our stupid little bet when we go to shows with each other. Like, what are they going to open with? But I mean, I would have I would have called that. It even was not being it a was barely passive AFI fan. I'd be like, if you don't open with that track, you're an idiot. But it was They've better. Got Twelve years of a back catalog, it, it, though, and, like, and was, I know. But you don't need. You got ninety thousand more fans than you did, or a couple it, million more fans than you did for that back catalog too. And and like, you don't even need an opening band at that point. That that <laughs> that track playing. Well, hot water the music opened out. for him, Woo! right? Kyle? Yeah. It was a great show, dude. I'm just so, saying, that's and it a was great better. Track. <clears throat> it was better than I imagined it could have been. Like it was insane, freaking. I'm sure. Tr- what? Is, what are their kids? What are their fans called? What's their street team called? Does anybody remember? It's like the Sorrow something. Oh, <laughs> that would be what the Sorrow I love, Suckers. <laughs> I love the the fan, uh, the fan, the self named fan club thing. And like my favorite. <clears throat> Dude, it was in st- kids were screaming at the top of their lungs. So, so, I can't remember. So, so was I. Yeah, I don't remember if I ever saw. I think. <laughs> hey, Chris, did they play that Warp Tour where we played? Do you remember? remember? No, I don't. I remember. feel like I saw them at that. I feel like that's. I don't feel like I saw them outside of. But I think I want to say they played that year. I could probably look back and find it. But yeah, um, the. Yeah, I just that's a great opening track, and I would definitely um, <laughs> like open with that if I had something. That, I mean, hey, by the way, the the opening opening of it with before the real drums come before in, the kick, yeah, is that that's got to be purposely sounding just like the Terminator Two soundtrack, right? Okay, okay, okay. So um, Jade, the guitar player, yeah, um, he actually talked about this on some of the interviews. I, I tried saw. to find this. I couldn't yeah. find this. So I'm dun, glad you did. So, so he had been experimenting with uh, electronic music since like 1999. And so when they finally had this big budget, he brought his files to Jerry Finn. This is pretty funny. And was like, Hey, I got this thing I'm kind of experimenting with. And he gave it to Jerry Finn. And, and Jerry was like, there's 120 tracks on this thing that you brought. Like, I don't know if it was pro tools or I don't know what he was using. And he no. was like, "Yeah, was that not normal?" And Jerry Finn was like, "Dude, we cannot, like, we can't do this." <laughs> so I guess he had to like parse it down. But yeah, no, this was like a, a, a part of an experimentation session that he had been working on for a very long time. Right, but the beat is the same as the Terminator Two soundtrack, and this it's like the same sound. It's like the same drum sounds. I mean, oh, yeah, the it, intro before it, the drums come in. So that I feel wouldn't like surprise it, me at all because, like, he was probably like it's a kid purpose. when he. So well, yeah, he was probably a kid when he started the project. Guys, yeah. I, I, I have to tell you something. We've never talked. We've never spoken about this before, and so I feel like I need to get this out there. Oh, please do. Um, that's not true. 
Terminator 2 is my all-time favorite movie, and the songs could not be more different, Blake. <laughs> the drum beat's the same. It's not. What are you talking about? This one is... Doom, 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 doom. Doom, 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 doom. And freaking Terminator 2 is... Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Are you sure? One hundred, dude. No, I'm not he's, kidding. He's absolutely right. I'm, I've never been more I'm, certain of anything in my life. Like, I'm not kidding. My favorite movie of all time. My dad took me opening night, fourth grade. Favorite. <laughs> no, movie I love of it too. Time. But I thought it was the same beat. Am I just wrong about that? They're definitely similar, but they are similar, but totally different. But put that in the show notes. We'll put a link to the Terminator. I had never, I had never put those two things together, Blake, myself. Uh, yeah, I just thought it sounded like it's like the same sound. It's like that metallic kind of drum. Well, and even the chime, even thing. the kind of chimey like thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, can, and I'm not saying they ripped it off. I'm saying like it's, it, a cool it's an thing. homage. Like, I'm not mad about it. Yeah, it's so, an homage. So, um, can I give you guys my emo, my emo lyric? Yes, from this please one? do. From the opening track, what's your? Because I lyric? think we've all distinguished that this this song rocks, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So uh, like, without a doubt. There's a lot there's a lot going on here with with loving your hate and all that but I've got to go with verse 2 nothing from nowhere I'm no one at all radiate recognize one silent call as we all form one dark flame See I never could understand that middle <laughs> line I never knew what it said that, the first line I got and the last yeah. line I got that middle one about radiating radiate radiate you guys, recognize so you, one you guys, silent call You guys on audio can't see what i'm seeing but kyle just said those lines and then black mascara appeared on his eyes <laughs> just like Very it, it, it was beckoned from the sky and it just appeared when he said those lyrics. and and also we've t- like we've talked about blake you have specifically mentioned this on a couple podcasts about like a, no, well a good a good transition from like the end of one song to the beginning of yes. next and oh, yeah. this one this one does it for me man yeah, so here's a well. Let's let's go to leaving song part two and and play the little clip before we talk about it. But let's let's talk about that transition in a second. Here we go. Leaving song part two. Chris, uh, due to your air guitaring during that last clip, you get to go first. What's your uh, impression on this song? It just grooves, man. That that the part you picked, how it uh, leads into that drum. That fill. just only drums. Uh, There's nothing else. It that uh, yeah. I was the, gonna say same note. That I I know like Jerry Finn at this point has become an expert at like making muted guitars kind of have this rich tone that like fills the sound of the speakers. But man, he did it in such a unique and special way on this record. Um, because even all the parts that they have where, um, you know, there's like palm muting and it's like a little more like low key, but it also has that like driving drum beat. And this song is a great example of that, especially with the gang vocals and everything. Um, again, great crowd. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. You right. Know what but, I mean? It, but how the song's so like, a, it's weird. Cause it's like, this theme goes throughout the record. It's like a punk rock song, the punk rock beat, but it also has this like kind of low key, high key thing. Um, 
And it always has yeah. like a dramatic, almost like melodramatic. Sounds like it should be in a musical kind of part yeah. of almost every one of these songs. Okay, but why? Why is leaving song part two track two and leaving song is track eleven? Does anyone have any answer for that? I couldn't find a reason. Is it? I wonder if they intended for them to be in some sort of order, and then someone at the label was like, "No, you've got to put," or Jerry Finn or whoever was like, "No, you well, got to put that leaving song part two. That's got to be this, the second track." The record from first song to the end flows perfectly. Yeah, it, it's it does so, have a good. So track. who knows what happened? But I just it, always wonder about perfect. the like part two, but it's the second track on the record, and then you know, leaving song is way further down the record, um, and I couldn't find. I tried to play them back to back, like in a different order to see if like it made sense. And it doesn't make any more sense to put them in the right, in the quote unquote correct order, leaving song and then part two. Um, so I'm just curious if you knew anything, Kyle thoughts uh, that uh, uh, leaving song part two. So uh, great clip, Blake. One of my favorite things about this band is that um, like, I think that they're one of the better bands about having a single guitarist and then kind of sounding like a single guitarist could pull off what they're doing. You know what I mean? He'll go back and forth between the picking and then like, you know, uh, chords and, and like live, he pulled it off. It sounded excellent. The inch play with like other dudes. No, no, it was just him. And, and, um, and the intro to this song that, that like, I don't even know what it is. It's like tapping. I don't, I don't know what he's doing, but it sounds so freaking cool. Um, I love this song. One of my favorite songs on the record. Spoiler. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> you got to save that for the end. And, 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 and so um, here's my emo line from this song. Imperfect <laughs> cry and scream in ecstasy. So what befalls the flawless? Look what I've built. In parentheses, please don't do this. It shines so beautifully. Now watch as it destroys me. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I should be snapping at the end of that. <laughs> Or or saying you just don't get me, mom. <laughs> oh, and and so we, <laughs> we were talking about the crowd. It was like the crowd, the the gang vocals, and it shows in this recording too. It was completely intentional, but the gang vocals felt like a whole nother member, uh, another you know what I mean, another element to this band that live was even bigger than the record. It was freaking awesome. I didn't even realize they were a single guitarist band. That's um. I just think that's the hardest thing in the world yeah. <laughs> to do. And I don't know why anyone would ever want to be in well, a yeah, band but... with only one guitar, but I mean, I get, it happens a lot and you're right. They're like, it's hard you... to pull off, but, um... but how many, that, that's what's so interesting about this record is that how many bands have been playing together 12 years before they finally get a big budget and they get to do it. But they're also like, kind of tied to like, well, this is how we've always done things. So that's how we want to continue doing things. And it's weird. It was right. It was before 2003 was before people really felt comfortable being like, you know what? We're going to put other people on stage with us that aren't in the band. Like just, these are the, these are the musicians that help us play this stuff live. I feel like until green day did that, no one did it. Well, and these guys are like, yeah. yeah, And these guys are like Davey and uh, Billy Joe are like friends. Davey actually played. um, I forget the lead guy's name in um the musical one second oh in america uh, Sa- yeah he played yeah. yeah he played he played saint jimmy no for a few weeks no way yes no he actually played yeah he did it hey for the fifth tangent uh side tangent on this <laughs> podcast did you guys know that he is in like what i would call a super group i just found out this week that he's in a super group with all the other members of no doubt yes 
I had uh, no yeah. idea. I did hear about that. Dreamcatcher? Uh, my hair told that me right? about it. It's basically, they basically wanted him to be the new singer of No Doubt, but they thought it was too weird to like Dude. actually change it. And so, they are, yeah, they're basically. See, this is no why. Doubt, but with Davey. This is why I want to move to California and raise my kids there is because I feel like if you're in the scene. Uh, eventually you, it'll. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the downside, like, Chris, is that you can't go see him because there's no electricity in California. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. And you can't. And but, also no indoor gatherings. But so. Davey Havoc, Davey Havoc is friends with Billy Joe Armstrong, mm. got asked to be in the Misfits, is in a super group with no doubt. And all those things are just like side projects for his other band, which are great. He's, he's also on the Engineer world record too. Last yeah, track. He's also so, black yeah. audio. Yeah. Him and Jade. Yeah, it, it must be nice to get asked to do tons of side projects like that. I mean, that, that that's really the testament to when you know, like, okay, this is not flattery anymore. You know what I no. mean? Like, that's no, he, yeah, that, people are that, asking that, you to be on their records. That's like, oh, right. they don't, they're not just that's not fluff. They're they're legit. Uh, right. Let's go to Bleed Black, third track on the record. Okay, so here's where I'm going to complain a little bit. Um, truth be told, I do not love Butch Vig as a producer. He's not my favorite. I do like Jerry Finn a lot, but, um, and it's not like I don't, he's, Butch Vig has been a part of some huge records that I do like, but he's not my favorite producer, if that makes sense. Um, but here's a weird thing about this song, and it happens throughout the record. When Davey gets quiet, um, it's like all the high end of his vocals is gone and it almost sounds muffled. It sounds like he's like, like muffled or something. It's like, there's a thing and I'm just I'm putting my own hand in front of the mic as if that's going to help. And it's, it almost sounds like there's a, like they got to notch out some of those high frequencies in his voice when he's loud. And it's like, they didn't notch those back in when he goes quiet and gets really quiet and right on the mic. And it's not in that clip. Unfortunately, it happened right after we faded out. I should have put it in the clip. But um, it's a weird thing that bugs me about this record that I'm like, okay, you've got two of the biggest producers. And it's probably, I don't even know who mixed it, actually. But it was probably someone huge because it's probably bringing Tom Lord Alg or whoever. Um, right. Because he mixed everything. It's like, yeah, this yeah. is going to be. If you, if you and, made a record between 2000 and 2005, he one just of those like guys. came in and like and, and so, you know, I'm just like, what did, how I hear that? And I'm not like a freaking mastermind producer or something like that, but I can hear that. Like, it sounds like all the high ends gone and it sounds muffled. Um, but maybe that's just me. So I, there are some production things on this record that I don't like. And I'm like, it's just weird to me because I like most stuff. Jerry Finn does, um, did unfortunately rest in peace. And then, um, and I don't love Butch Vig. So that makes me want, that makes me, you want to blame know, Butch. I do, but I know Butch Vig can do it because, like, I don't know if you guys listened to that Wasting Light record that he did with Foo Fighters in, like, 2011. I mean, it sounds phenomenal, and they did it all on tape. And so it's like, I know he has a good ear, but I feel like sometimes uh, yeah. he... I, I think I, I think you have to realize that 
you've got this like punk rock band who's been playing these like tiny clubs. And maybe and, like, they liked it, yeah. And Blake, they all lived in the same apartment together when they're making this record. <laughs> yeah. So like he's he's learning about his styling. Well, yeah, but I'm not. I don't think it's his fault. Like I don't think it's Davey's no, but fault. I think it's a yeah. combination of him experimenting with what he can do and these famous producers i think it's the push and pull so maybe and i I was just curious what i just think that's how it came out of the wash at the end yeah i just heard it a few times it just always seemed like it was more of like it almost seems like it could be a mixing problem and Mm. not even uh you know it might not have even been any of the people because like i said it's just like that frequency is just gone and i need it once he's quiet because i need to hear the little s's and t's and those kind of syllables but when he's loud, obviously, I mean, he's from, I mean, they're probably compressing the crap out of that, uh, cause he's, he can freaking belt it. But anyway, that's my thing that doesn't really have anything to do with the song uh, about this at all. But, uh, guys, what are your thoughts on bleed black? Either one, I'm just going to let you, let you choose. And uh, fight over I was, it. I'm super into the acoustic guitar bridge. Yeah, it's a cool slowdown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which you your your clip kind of faded into. Yeah, sorry. I, I should have put a little no, bit. No, 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 no. You you did it perfect. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. That was um um that was that that was my my only note was it's good. My how, how uh, beautiful qu- I thought that was. Question to you guys that may know better than I do, because I literally had never listened to an AFI record before this. Did they ever do acoustic stuff? They don't strike me as a band that had acoustic guitars on their other records. No, I don't think so. No, 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 no. Yeah, um, but it fits super well, and no, I love perfect. I love that they did it's it. Beautiful, Kyle. Yeah, I think it kicks butt. That part that it was going into rocks. I really, lo- I mean, I love the freaking the drummers going nuts right at the beginning of that clip. That you that he he's really rocking hard, and then also I love, I love how um kind of like poppy the bass line is. It's super bouncy. Yeah, well, the it's whole, very, the it's whole like, chorus is. It's just, it is. It's just super, super bouncy and and like happy sounding, and and yep. I dig that. So yeah, yeah, I I have the same note. Just like it's a it's a good like bouncy kind of happy. Those choruses are pretty cool, and I can't. It reminds me of something in a vague way, and I cannot figure out what it is. But it's not. So um, I think it know. reminds me of rockabilly, and I know that they're buds with Tiger Army, and it. Tiger Army sounds a, a lot that. like AFI as a, as a rockabilly band to me. Maybe maybe that's because I'm not like you know listening to rockabilly all the time. But yeah, I'm in the same boat. I don't listen to a lot of rockabilly, but that makes sense. I can hear I can hear that now that you yeah. say that. So okay, let's go to Silver and Cold, which was one of the singles, right? Do we yes. Know, what order did they come out in? Do we know? Uh, Silver and Cold was the third single. Uh, Leaving okay. Song Part Two was the second, and uh, Girls Not Gray. Yeah, Girls, Girls Not, not Gray, Gray was the first one, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, anyway, this is the third single, Silver silver and Cold, not Gold, Cold. Kyle, good luck picking one lyric on here that's the most. E- oh, okay. <laughs> so my this one. what is it though? My favorite is as a rapturous voice escapes, I will tremble <laughs> a prayer. 
So, <laughs> okay. I, okay, I realize as I'm listening to this, this is a pretty big single. And I was like, I have no idea what they're saying on the chorus. I realized like, as I'm listening, I'm like, I don't know. So I'm like, okay, let me think, let me listen to this. I'm like, okay, I think they're, your sins into me. That doesn't make yeah. sense. That can't be it. Sure enough, I look, that's the yeah. lyric. Your yeah, channel sins into me. I don't know. <laughs> don't know what they're talking about right no that's how that's what i was going through the whole time when i read the lyrics i was like wait what does that mean i think I it means bet, something deeper than i could ever understand I bet or thousands it doesn't of people mean anything yeah. <laughs> thousands of people saying that at the top of their lungs at their concerts though i mean they they were sending their sins into him guys <laughs> they did the they knew exactly what to do with the gang vocals and like mm. almost every song has like a call and answer kind of thing that you totally. can do with the crowd which is oh no it's be, almost like it's almost like they planned it. Like, hey, yes. let's make a song for going on tour. Which, if you haven't written music, is in, right? But if you haven't written music before, that's, that's not hard. something you can just do. Like, you, you can't make people do that. <laughs> yeah, like it just happens. It usually ends badly <laughs> yeah. when you're like, yeah. oh, right here, I'll let the crowd take this. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you're falling asleep at night and you're like, okay, then I point to the crowd. <laughs> they sing this wonderful line. Sing it I've super loud. That's not. <laughs> That's not how it works. Yeah, it's got to be happenstance. And maybe that, I'm sure that wasn't their thought process on this, but man, I mean, it has so many parts that are like that where you're like, I bet playing these songs live was so much fun. Oh, uh, dude. Me and Kyle dude, the, sh- the was show perfect. was insane. It was, and, and again, so one guitarist, like, and he pulled it off, but I really do think that, that that element of the entire crowd picking up those gang vocals, it just filled it out, dude. It was so awesome. Also, well, and Kyle, was that your first AFI concert? Yes. So did you go there and think like I'm gonna sing these parts? No. Yeah, no, I think I did. I think well, <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna. Sing. I don't know what. what I mean, I wasn't like say, I didn't memorize the gang vocal parts so no, I could exactly. do my thing. That's what yeah, I'm trying you're to right. Say is like, like and it just happened. It was. Um... Blake, also, you're the you're like the gearhead out of us. True. I'm ha- I'm having a memory, okay, and this is gonna make sense to you. Date date it date this for me, but like. Around this time is when I think Boss puts out that loop station pedal. Mm, that would be probably right. They might have had it before, but it got popular for sure. And yeah. and I think that he had that. And I probably. think I remember just being like, whoa, that's insane. You know, because he would play those picking parts and still... Rock go, I just go can't to the believe they did place. a one guitar thing at that point. I would have been did. like, we need some other guitars, and I would have loved to be the other guitarist. By the way, like this is a band where I like listen to these guitar parts. Good guitar parts, fun that would oh, be to play so for a great. crowd. I would totally be the rhythm guy in the back. He, like, yeah, dude, he he awesome. writes tasty guitar parts. No, very cool guitar parts for sure. Um, and th- and that one has. Uh, by the way, my I just love six eight. Most of the time, like that's an immediate. That like you're life. jumping up in my okay i'm gonna like this song like you have to start getting deductions at that point like once you have a six eight song i'm like i probably like it and then you've got to have oh no never mind there's some things i don't like but that's a good way to get on my good side i just love six eight i think it's a great time signature and it's just got a fun like swingy kind of i just love it it's a great time signature and i and more people should do it yeah i think a lot of people are scared for some reason of, of the six eight I guess there's, you know, there's less you can do with the drums sometimes with 6-8. Maybe that's why, but. Yeah, no, there's pretty much like five things you can do. Yeah, it's not, it's not <laughs> a lot, but yeah. And if always... you try to do a 6-8 drum fill when you've been playing 4-4 all night, you're just kind of like, uh, oh, so <laughs> like, yeah. I hope this works. Of course, I'm not in AFI, so he's probably got a little more experience than me. 
He might be. Uh, let's go to <laughs> Dancing Through Sunday. Van Halen died last week, and oh, that is a perfect. Do it again. That's a perfect tribute, man. Yeah. That sounds just like Eddie Van Halen, yeah. doesn't That's it? That's literally what I typed in my notes. Was like R- it was R- Eddie Van Edward. Halen question mark awesome? But yes, but that's a that's a perfect example of uh, of a dude that was quite obviously inspired by um, freaking Mr. ripping Eddie Edward. I had to put the solo in there, obviously. Uh, other thoughts on Dancing Through Sunday? No, than, you already stole, stole all my thoughts. I, I'm the guitarist here. I've got to <laughs> bring up the guitar note. Come on, man. No, no. It, it, I, I love that we agree. Like That's one of my favorite parts about this podcast is when we, uh, for, for you guys listening um, on your phones, like, we don't talk about these records at all. Like we, we all listen to them separately, and then we come together. So it's it's always yeah. funny when like we all agree on the moments that are really beautiful to us. So I I, I always appreciate it. We um, have talked about these records before. It was like fifteen or twenty years but, ago. But, generally, but, but, but no, yeah, but the three we record, of us, the just, three, yeah. the three of us have never in our lives on a text message said, "Hey, isn't it cool how yeah. that AFI song kind of has an Eddie Van Halen guitar solo and he just died a few days ago?" Yeah. Like, but but I'm sure we're all thinking it. Kyle's probably about to say the same thing. Uh, I mean. <laughs> No pressure, but you have to agree with me. So it seems as though, it, let me see, my notes say something about Edward Van Halen. Um, I I mean, that freaking clip, he's kill, I mean, He's just oh. ripping the guitar. Just and no one killing. was doing that in 2003, no. by the way. No, like, no, no, no. We weren't, we unfortunately, um, guitar solos disappeared in the early 2000s for some reason other than maybe like the darkness they were well and and it's not like he's all in your face about it he's just like hey this song could use a solo like this which almost makes you like love and appreciate him more the fact he's like doesn't do it every song yeah exactly like this isn't i'm not a one-trick pony like this song just felt like the right moment to do this um guys my emo lyric is (laughs) will you lend yourself to beauty that will horrify question mark is that like a reference to the Batman 89 movie with the beauty products uh, telling people? I, I maybe know. I don't know. I take everything back I'm, to Batman I'm, too. I'm not going to pretend that I understand. Um, great song. And I, I love that. I love that bouncy chorus, man. It's awesome. It is. It's very fun, which is why it's a good single probably, which, uh, oh no, that, that wasn't a single. Sorry. Uh, I was thinking of the next track, which we'll do next, which is Girls Sorry. Not Great, which. Wait, oh, wait, wait, wait. I, I do yep. want to say one thing too. This Please song do. features the guitar scratch, which is a, um, 2000 staple mm-hmm. and uh, uh, not a lot of big records though like usually it's something a punk rock band did before they got famous Yeah, and right before the second chorus they uh, have a guitar scratch that brings in the second chorus and I just appreciated it I yeah just I, do. I appreciate one. those kind of things I like it like I said you can't really do it like on every song it gets really old but you can do it once a record for sure yeah if but not, besides but twice. besides Lifehouse how many how many bands really like wait Lifehouse had a guitar scratch? Yeah. What? Why don't I remember that? 
Because it was so long that it didn't oh. sound like a guitar scratch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I've not listened to Lifehouse in also probably 20 years. But, all right, let's go to Girls Not Gray. What are your thoughts on Girls Not Gray? I mean, what other band gets to say those lyrics? I don't even know what they are. <laughs> I well, really can't understand what he's saying. I, I but... laid me down tonight. Yeah. Um, Much and, further and, down. And, uh, not to mention, uh, like, there. Sorry, there's not a lot of like top ten or top twenty, top thirty, top one hundred singles that are played at that pace. That that uh, BPM. Yeah. Um, and. It's an AFI song. It's a perfect AFI song, and it was huge, and it's beautiful. And uh, yeah, there's not not much else you could say about it. This is the most like kind of straightforward song on the record. I feel mm-hmm. like right. it's like a straight up punk rock song. There's no like curveball thrown at you, and it's just pretty fun and it's good, Kyle. But but it's got the same. Oh. It's got the same. Sorry, sorry. It's got the same themes with the like crowd wars. Oh, oh for chorus, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But but it's it's just perfect. So yes, it's got all this. It's got all the right things, but it is the most straightforward. I think it was a brilliant choice for their introduction to the masses. Yeah, it was. It was a. It was a smart first single. Was that the one? Is that the video with them, like in the high school gym? Uh, no, no, that's uh, uh that's that leaving one? song part two, right? Yeah, that's leaving song part two. Okay, this yeah, is okay. the one that had like the um had like the um Japanese style animation uh like kind of ladies, <laughs> right? Like Sailor Moon, right? Well, they were like talking, and yeah. then um, I do not remember that one. So you said you didn't know the words. I'll lay me down tonight, much further down. Swim in the calm tonight. This art does drown. <laughs> that is, I know he's sincere about it, though. Like, I kind of feel bad snickering about it, but it is like such every you're right. Every song has a lyric where you're just like, if you guys decide if this is cheesy or if he's owning it so well that it works I, really I've, well. But I mean, it's definitely like it's um, poetry for the sake of poetry. I don't think that he's like just. I've uh, mentioned before things you guys you guys wouldn't let me get away with, and if you found no. my journal and it was filled with these lyrics, if uh, they would be posted all over the internet, and, it doesn't and fit. You'd be you ragging on me. Child. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, none of these lyrics are. Yeah, I would be like, oh, maybe we try a different lyric here. Um, <laughs> hey, maybe you could <laughs> sing something totally different. <laughs> maybe we try something else. Uh, let's go to Death of Seasons. like that might be a weird clip i just like what's going on with the guitar and bass yeah in that a lot i like that build up um but uh what are your thoughts kyle 
I, I freaking love this song. It's awesome. Um, it changes up so much it, that, which is hard to show in a 30 second clip. Right. Um, yeah. The bridge. Dude. For example. The br- okay. <laughs> and also happening. So the bridge you guys, for anybody listening and for you too, if you didn't know this, you should check it out. So Jade and Davey had a side project called black audio that was very inspired by an, uh, an electronic band called VNV nation. You should check them out. It's very, very like on par with that stuff. And I think you either dig it or you don't, or at least you're like kind of startled by it. Like, whoa, what the <laughs> heck is going on? I freaking love it. And um, and the last thing I'm going to say is my favorite emo lyric from this song is, I held a fallen star and it wept for me dying. <laughs> <laughs> That is such an emo lyric. <laughs> Chris, what are your thoughts on the great disappointment? I don't know, man. Kyle's bumming me out when he when he reads the lyrics in his like voice. I, I <laughs> no, doesn't work. This isn't the great disappointment. This is the death of seasons. Oh, oh sorry, you're right. Sorry, death of seasons. Yeah, I read. I, I read the mic. It matters not. Over here. Yeah. yeah. So I, I really like the um, once again when Jade like works in his electric uh, electronic kind of beats. Um, that, that was, was that not expecting that on this record. No, right, right, right. That's what's really cool. With his screams, um, too. And then, well, yeah, but like the outro to this song is really beautiful, mm. too. Like uh, with the string section and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, which, like, w- one thing when I was listening to this record, so if you guys don't know, like, usually Blake just picks the, um, the clips from these songs just based on like how he's feeling at the moment. True. So, uh, no, no, but, but it's always, it's always interesting to hear what you pick. Um, I try but, to represent the song. Right. No, no, but, but I, I yeah, w- w- I, as I best mean, as possible in 30 seconds. I hope I'm not saying something crazy here, but I felt like this of all the records we've done might've been one of the harder ones to do. Cause some of these songs are like, they take these different journeys. Lots of changes. Yeah. Some of them are almost unrecognizable if you grab exactly, a different yeah. part than the chorus, yeah. which is why I have more choruses on this one than, uh, uh, than a lot of other, yeah. uh, of the clips that we that's, do. Just that's very unlike like, you. It is, but it's, um, and normally it's cause it's like, I think people are more familiar with the chorus. So maybe I want to highlight like some, no, no, no. Like I think, I think that's the right thing, the, the right direction to go. But, <laughs> but like in this the case, outro, yeah. the outro to this song has this like beautiful string section yeah. and, I'm just thinking of these like punk rock kids from Berkeley who like have this big budget and they're like, dude, it'd be really cool if we could get like a string section and Jerry Finn or Butch Vick. If he yeah, was, we can do that. He's yeah. like, yeah, no, you guys are like on a major label. Now we, we can, can do that. Bring them in. Um, and, and it almost like, so for me, when the strings came in at the end of the song, I kind of thought like, what if I was these guys in this band? And oh, gosh. Wh- well, well, one of the things that I, I kind of thought about was, uh, when I was watching some of the interviews with them talking about this record, it's like we had these ideas and these things we wanted to explore musically that we never could because we didn't have the budget on Nitro. Well, yeah, who has budgets for strings as right. even independent artists are, you know, or on right. small labels? It's not- but so now you've got all these fans who are like, oh, you're cool and you're punk rock and you're a four piece band and you just like play straight punk rock. But like, you're this band. It's like, no, we've got some other ideas about music too that the we'd really like to explore. Them. No, it fit, it fit yeah, perfect. It, it was well. beautiful. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 kind of what I was trying to say. Like when they finally got when when everything lined up with the talent and the label um, and the budget to to like really explore that, but they didn't overdo it. Like there's not strings throughout the record. 
it's just the ending of this song is is I think maybe one of the first times that they kind of bring strings into yeah, it. Yeah, there's I think two other parts on the record that do. Uh, Kyle, you've gotten to record the strings on one of your songs. I mean, that's it's awesome, right? Dude, it, I mean, I've not it, gotten to. It so. was it was one of the greatest moments of my life, and I won't <laughs> I won't get I won't get into it here. But it was don't also, undersell it. <laughs> it was also one of the one of the worst because one of the one of the people who played strings. Uh, the the label paid for the Philharmonic to play on it, and the full Philharmonic came out and played, and <laughs> so awesome it was. I mean, I, dude, I was I was like I was crying, like I was I sobbing, too. crying, yeah. and uh, one of the fiddle players walks out and I, <laughs> and says exactly this, man. <laughs> when I you, don't even know what you're gonna say, but I'm so bummed already. <laughs> he says, man, when you replace that scratch vocal, this is gonna rock. And it was your real vocal. <laughs> like, and here's the thing. I was like, you son of a bitch. Because, like, he doesn't know that he's the last thing on that song. Like, I was, oh, I was so hurt. I was. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, uh, that, guy, that, that guy went home to his family and didn't even mention that moment. But it was the most impactful moment of your entire I'll life. Never, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. <laughs> It was, it was his, like, his wife was like, Hey, how was your day? It's like, I don't know. I did like a thing. I don't know. That's harsh. It's like so the harsh. world, I was so, I was in such a happy place. The world was off balance and it instantly brought balance back to everything. Like, <laughs> yeah, as soon hey, as you change this vocal, the great news, Kyle, is it's a perfect segue into the next title, which is <laughs> the great disappointment. <laughs> Here we go. The cherished ones, I knew they would I think I know what your note's going to be, but go ahead and tell me it anyway. Really? Well, I, th- I thought I would know what your note is, but maybe he, I'm wrong. He knows how your brain works. He knows your body, man. I know you've been friends for a very long time. Well, I, yeah, but now there's more pressure on me. Um, I, no pressure on me. I'm the one that's going to be wrong, potentially. I, I like the song. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I was going to say is this song, like, instrumentally is, like, really cool, but it just doesn't do anything for me. Oh, this, I thought you were going to maybe say something about the time change going from 4-4 four, four to 6-8 as the drummer. It's interesting. It or did you cool. not even notice it? Well, MXPX did that a lot. So oh, yeah. So It's not that cool of a trick for me. It's a hard trick. No, it's not it's, easy. It's impressive. It, so you have no, to have that counter right. back in. Oh, that's yeah, what I thought yeah, your but, note was going to be. I was wrong. No, no, no. no. That, that That's actually a really interesting point. But w- I'm when, with you, though, on the math part. I yeah, put math in no, my no, notes. No, no, no. And I was I was really bummed because like uh, when I was listening to this record, um, over and over, every time I heard this song, I was like, ah, oh, yeah, this one just never did it for me. And then the name of the song, I'd be like, oh, I wish they wouldn't have named it that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel vindicated every time that I'm like meh on a song, and one of you two, if not both of you, are feel the same way. Well, now we're gonna find out what Kyle thinks. Kyle, what do you think? So I I halfway agree with you guys. I my note is that everything is meh, but I love the chorus and I love the guitars on the chorus. The way that the, like the sliding and moving around, man. I I think it's a cool chorus. It's got like this dark 
feel to it. But yeah, it's other than, this minor key kind of thing going on. Uh, other than that, it's it's a boring song. Yeah, I think it's kind of boring. It's not um it's not bad. Keep no. in mind no, normally no. when we're this no, is not a crap sandwich. Song, just it's no. like it, not a crap sandwich, just like I just like I was like, eh. Yeah. And if our like friends band wrote this song and we saw it live in our Best like song. local, we've yeah. been like, oh wow, that's pretty good. Like, you know what I mean? But like when Yeah, this is a classic case of a record that's so phenomenal that your worst song is also like a better song that anyone yeah, else could ever write. Still the worst song on the record, potentially. So, <laughs> yeah. That's just how it works. I mean, look, almost no one makes a perfect record. It's just it's super hard to do. I mean, um I mean, we we probably talked about I know we've probably thrown the word out perfect record, but we've not had one that doesn't have at least one song where we go like, I could get rid of that and still be okay. You know, it just happens even on our favorite records. So yeah. that's probably, you know, spoiler alert going to be the one on this one, but uh, let's go to paper airplanes. I love nothing more than the going to the halftime for the last mm. chorus kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's just my mm-hmm. favorite move of rock and roll bands is like, let's go to halftime here. And really, I just imagine again in the live setting, the crowd's going to love that. Right. Yep. Come on. It's awesome. Kyle, what are we, your thoughts on We did. Uh, so uh, the, the, that picking part at the end of the clip that you just played is freaking mm-hmm. awesome. And then one of my favorite things about this song is I wrote that like that, you you picked the freaking perfect clip for me because that guitar part that's leading into the at the very beginning of the clip you played, yep. the guitar tone is like so freaking STP, and then it goes <laughs> yeah. pu- it that's goes a, punk another rock. band that's only one guitarist by the way. It like it goes oh, it goes yeah. STP to punk rock instantly, yep. and it's freaking awesome. Yeah, it sounds like something straight off. Purple. He's uh, he's so he's so versatile. Like for for a single guitar player, he's just he's doing a lot. And I don't know that he gets, I don't know that he's like as unsung of a hero as the bass player for the Used. But like he's doing he's <laughs> he's doing a lot. I did, like I said in I, comedy. In comedy, we call that a callback. Later, I did so. it one time. I was in a band for like that long. That was I was the only guitarist in it, and man, it was like well, I mean, other than like like my high school band that we played some covers and stuff like that, some punk rock stuff. But it, it's hard to fill that space with one guitar. It's just uh, it's not easy. I fortunately was playing with a really good bass player, so that helped. But um, that would be that's like my worst nightmare is to be the only guitarist in a band. <laughs> I really want someone else to help me, uh, you know, fill that space a little bit more. Even a keyboard player, for goodness sake, like someone that can help me do it. Uh, Chris, do you have any thoughts on paper airplanes? Uh, oh, sorry, my, parentheses, makeshift wings, by the way. Right, the right. Rest of the so, so my only note was, um, uh, do you remember uh, that Friends episode where Joey was like, put your hands together? Like, I do not. But oh. I, I didn't watch all the Friends episodes. I, sorry, I've probably I don't, seen I don't, them all, but. I don't remember what he's talking about, but it was like something gross and something else gross, and he said, put your hands together. To, to me, this is like the perfect um, hybrid of like kind of like Green Day and the Misfits. Like, I, I don't know. Oh, I, yeah. I could, I could kind of feel, I don't know. <laughs> so like when I'm listening to this song, I get jealous. 
because I'm like, these guys grew up around all these amazing bands and they got to kind of like pick all these like pieces out of um, this amazing music that was getting made and kind of pull it together. So anyway, that's kind of my note is that like, I thought this was like a really cool hybrid of all their influences kind of yeah. coming out. Yeah. Cause the real, I mean, it, they're really a nineties band. I mean, they, yeah. they've been a band a, in a, a, for a decade or more than a decade at this point. Yeah. When you, when you guys keep talking about, uh, you know, Jade playing guitar as a single guitar player, it's like he had 12 years to, uh, you know, to perfect his out. craft. Um, so yeah, he kind of had it figured out. And, and maybe a new pedal. Oh yeah. No, he's got Probably like a zillion a dollars pedals. at this point. So yeah, DreamWorks is like, you know, you could buy whatever pedal you want at Granny's Music Stop. <laughs> Sorry, that's an Oklahoma. Music. Sorry, sorry, that's an Oklahoma reference. Uh, Kyle, did you give us an email lyric for this one yet? Uh, for for paper airplanes. I'm not. I sure. mean, the title alone, the make. I do actually really like the makeshift wings part. I kind of there's Hold something on. that I, I really like about that title. Oh yes, as ways of plastic fame go out of fashion. I like okay. that one. Yeah. All right, sounds good. Let's go to the celluloid dream. Kyle, what are your thoughts? The freaking guitar part out of the beginning of that clip. Ooh, so awesome. Yeah, it's great. Um, and then also, I really I really like how as it gets more intense, like to, probably because I'm paying attention to it, but I feel like, you know, the drum part becomes its own thing. The bass part, like everything. They are filling out a bunch of sound, but they're also just, you know, three instruments and it's freaking cool. So. Yeah, those verses are great. They've got a yeah. really great tight feel going on between the drums, guitar, and bass that I, I really like. Uh, that it, guitar, I mean, that, that rhythm is just super tight and awesome. Yes. And uh, it's the vocals are fitting really well in there, too. Like, it's the whole thing's working together. I like it. Chris, what are your thoughts on uh Oh, I, I did. I, I had an I had an emo oh. lyric. Oh, please tell us, Kyle. <laughs> yes. uh, you land as lightly as the new snow cinematic. <laughs> the only word I can understand in this song is the word cinematic. cinematic. That's yeah. it. That's the only thing I understand what's happening. And I, he's just got one of those voices where I cannot understand what he's saying most of the time. No, um, no, right. He, he, there's a few words that kind of just like stick out and you. Yeah. Um, you mumble along and then you sing. <laughs> cinematic. You just yell it out. Cinematic. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on, on this song? Um, you know what? I completely forgot because Kyle's note kind of threw me off. That's uh, okay. You don't have to have notes on this song if you don't want to. You can just say it's a solid tune. You haven't said it, that. It 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 is a solid tune. All right. Um, what is? It? Sorry, I'm looking at my notes here, dude. I'm totally bummed out. I had I totally had like an idea in my head for what I was gonna say with the song, and then Kyle completely threw me off with his Kyle lyrics. Blew it. Oh, pre-chorus. Oh, yeah. Sorry, that's it. So I've always, Kyle, uh, sorry, um, Blake loves bridges. 
I've always been a pre-chorus fan myself. I like I those feel like as the, well. Yeah, I, I think the pre-chorus is the element of the song. Like, I feel like it's the uh, the most beautiful part of this song. It's the coolest. It part. is a good pre-chorus. Yeah, I, I guess the, the guitar part of the and the chorus is meh. And I oh, see, I really like the, the verses. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just think the pre-chorus is the best part because it's the build-up between the two parts. Yeah, I'm into it. Yeah, the, the that's uh, I I love a good pre-chorus uh, too. They're I feel like less. Um, I feel like they're easier to pull off because they're generally like two bars sometimes, but not. I still feel like there's not um, a lot of people that just nail it all the time. But anyway, uh, let's go to the leaving song, the original leaving song, not part two, not the sequel, but the original one that's now track. Whatever we what are we at eleven. Right to me and all the cracks will crawl right through me and fell apart as I walked away, heard them say, poison hearts will never change. Walk away. Chris, thoughts on the leaving song? I have a skit. Are you guys ready? Yes, I'm ready. A finding email first. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> I bet you're wondering how I got here. Well, we'll have to backtrack a little bit. Sorry, that's the whole skit. That's so, the whole skit? Yeah, yeah. The whole, like, it was just an idea about how, like, is, is it your Sacred Heart song? Is that what you mean? Is it the Sacred Heart song? Because that sounded very no. JD. It did no, sound very just, JD. It was a record scratch from like a sitcom episode where like it starts out at the <laughs> right. crazy so, part and then yeah. he tells you like how you have to go back. Here's what happened. I get it. Oh yeah, That's I got you. I'm following if you, you. If you have to explain a joke, then yeah, it's it doesn't not good. work as well. Yeah. No, no, no. Anyway, uh, this song's really, really beautiful, but um, uh, I I always got hung up on the on the uh, leaving song part two and the leaving song part one being an opposite into the record yeah yeah uh, it sounds and, and, just like an elliot smith song to me right right that was the other thing i was gonna say is that like uh so davy's got okay so davy's had 12 years of experience at this point this is his first major label release but sometimes the nasally part of his vocals like really come out strong and it, it's kind of like uh abrasive to me and i feel like on this song it just kind of hits me I, a little I, gnarly a little I just gnarly feel like it's i don't want to say they... i don't want to say wrong i just want to say like a little gnarly kyle what are your thoughts man i i like this song and i think it's just because it's a it's kind of like a refresh like it's not like everything else it's just kind of different and i'm i mean like i guess like if i listen to you guys say what you don't like about it i don't like I don't disagree with what you're saying about his vocal, but it's just kind of like I don't know. It's just kind of a nice change of pace for me. I kind of dig it. Yeah, I don't have a lot of feelings about it other than just like the the clear Elliot Smith. I mean, it's like the vocals are recorded the same way where they're doubled and panned. I think I've never not noticed panned. that before. Oh, it's the exact. I mean, it's like it's basically like a faster like, yeah, strummed version of an Elliot Smith no, song. I, I, which I, is like fine. Kinda, I mean, yeah, I like kind yeah, of the, there's like kind of that like a little bit of that like Western element to it, which I kind of like. Yeah. yeah, and I can also hear that they could have just played this straightforward with the full band, but it would have felt like just another track on the record. 
probably. And so I think it was now, the right move to do it just guitar and vocal. But I kind of wonder why they did electrics instead of acoustics because it feels like it should be an acoustic. But Well, but I think I have an answer for you because I, I think this song uh, instantly is the most upsetting to the old school AFI fans. Yeah, that's probably true. And so I feel like they had to like pay like pay homage like no no we're still cool but like also like these are some ideas we want to explore so that's why they do electric (laughs) instead of acoustic because it would have been acoustic they would have been like you're driving dashboard or something yeah i don't think they talked like that probably no but they probably but they were but they were aware of like (laughs) the world i don't know why i all of a sudden went to like that they're this arkansas bubba dude i said (laughs) i said I, i said westerny that's what did it yeah (laughs) maybe that that subliminally um yeah it's 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 a fine song but i don't it doesn't you know do i don't dislike it i don't love it either it's not you know i don't think i looped it a bunch when i was listening to this record i i here's here here's how i would word it i like it just fine yeah that's a good way to put it do you have an email lyric for this one but home uh for uh the leaving song uh dang it i freaking i moved on from it uh you don't have it's, to do no it's it's, it's the one he says over and over again uh something hearts will never change true you know what i mean <laughs> sure yeah. uh, let's go to but home <laughs> let's go to dot 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 is that an ellipsis is that what that's called an ellipsis yes. Ellipses. Okay. Yeah. See, these are all words that I see and I don't ever hear very often. So, a- guys, I just have to say, AFI is really throwing us for a loop. Like we're usually on our game, but <laughs> like we're all off off our game tonight. Uh, yeah. Okay. But home is nowhere. Is the next track? Let's go. That harmony is up there. I don't so know if you awesome. hear that little harmony yeah. up there. It is high. Uh, and I, I assume he was nailing that. Um, Chris, what are your thoughts? And also maybe bring up your interesting point you brought up in the text that I just said earlier where we were like, wait a minute, is this the last track? Is it not the last track? Oh, yeah. yeah. So I, I texted Blake and I, I said, uh, so I told him that like my um, AFI record on my um, Apple Music was an upload of the original record, and so this song is—is is it three songs? No, it it's one. Songs? It's one track on the original one record. It's like fifteen minutes long, right? Uh, it's split out on Spotify and Apple Music now. So if you're on streaming services, it is. But Home Is Nowhere is a track, and then this time Imperfect is the kind of spoken word poetry thing, and then the song that comes after it with the kind of reverse guitar okay. and stuff. So um, I kind of thought of it as three songs, but I think it's really two. It's it really is three. It, You're right. What? What? Oh, okay. So it's it's. But three, it was but only one track on the original record. Right. Like right. It was it was the classic like the last track of the record, and then there's like a couple minutes of silence, and then the track the hidden track comes in, which everyone did in the late nineties, early two thousands. Right. It was a very common thing. So I tried to look into this. Why, why does that happen? I think there ha I can't find the answer, but I'm, I'm pretty sure 
it has to have something to do with if you've got a long track with iTunes specifically, it's probably the first people to do this. I'm guessing if you have like chunks of complete silence in the middle of it, they either discouraged or didn't allow it. Cause I looked back and realized like there's a bunch of albums from the same time period that did the same thing. Um, and they all now on the streaming version on Spotify or Apple music, they're split. Like it's like, there's no hidden track anymore. It's like, it's, it's listed there. And maybe that's a playlist thing or something. So I'm curious if anyone knows the, uh, that, that can be the trivia for this week. It's like, if you know why so many bands started splitting their hidden tracks when we got to streaming and maybe it's just because the format's different, you know, Maybe they right. don't expect someone to um, do it, but I, I found like two or three other records that did the same thing. And it makes me think there's, there was maybe some reason they had to when they went to digital, but I don't know. Anyway, what are your thoughts on the song? <laughs> oh no, I love the song. Um, I love the, the kind of haunting background vocals mm-hmm. that kind of stream through the song. Um, once again, like what was weird to me, after researching this record was realizing that Davey Havoc before this record was, was invited by the misfits to be right. the lead singer of the band, turned it down. Cause he said, AFI was his band. Um, but how he was able to merge, like kind of like, kind of like the punk rock themes of this record with like all the influences that influence them right. throughout their lives on this record. And I, to me, this, this song kind of like merges everything together really perfectly. It's a good um, last track. I mean, I right, consider it the last track because they consider right, it the last track because right. it's and been that, two minutes of silence and, and a And that's track. exactly what I was going to say is like, as a musician, I kind of think like for your last track, you kind of say like, Hey, this is some cool shit that I wanted to do, but like I was a little nervous about, but here you go. Like, I'm going to play it out for you. You've already kind of listened to everything that I'm all about, but this last song is kind of like me, um, you know, trying some new things out. So, um, you know, to me, this was their homage to all the, uh, musicians that influenced them. I thought they did it. I thought they did it perfectly. Kyle thoughts. Um, a few things. I really, really like the chorus. Um, my lyric is I lay strewn across the floor. <laughs> Strewn. I, I haven't used that in a sentence in a long time. I, Not a real word. I lay strewn across the floor. Um, that's pretty good. And then also, I was just going to comment because we've talked. I think I feel like we've talked about the secret tracks before. And yeah. I will say that one of my favorite bands it it has remained intact, and it's probably because the record's not that popular. Uh, Goldfinger's Hang Ups, the last track. Chris Chris Kate. Uh, yeah, Chris Caton is still. 34 minutes long on iTunes. So I, I wonder if there's a time period for thing that it happened in. They um, did it. So guys. I'm, I'm so curious about that because I've just, I, I didn't even realize it until Chris brought it up that I, I went back and looked at the same thing. My iTunes is the original rip of the CD that I owned. And I was like, you're right. It's one 15 minute track. And then I was like, well, what's the extra like minute and a half. And I realized it's the silence that's in between them. And that silence now is not on like Spotify. So you don't hear the silence anymore. And that's probably because people don't listen to records the way they did. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah. it sucks, but do you, Blake, Blake, do you remember that when we went into the studio for our record that I wanted to do the, uh, okay. You have to rewind Sorry, guys. it, right? I, yeah. There was this thing that you could do with certain CDs, uh, back in the nineties and early two thousands where you could rewind the first track of the record. Do you, did you ever do this Kyle? Yep. 
Right, and you could rewind the first track of a record, and you could hear a secret song. That's a and real I, hidden track. That's not right. a oh a couple like minutes a of silence. That's a legit hidden track. And I asked our producer if we could do this, and he said you can, but it's um. There was only one million dollars like in the country that could do right. it. And it cost it was a fortune. Like, it was like a copyright thing, and you had to like yep. pay them. It was a technology copyright, and it was like one mastering studio that would do it, and it was Johnny Q Public is the band that. Did it? It's too much money, but we wanted to do it. Uh, we didn't. We just didn't do the secret track. So anyway, so I always appreciated the secret tracks at the end of the record. I like secret tracks because it gives you a good. Cool. Here's the here's going to be my philosophy on secret tracks. I like the secret track thing because there was a clear like this record is over. Here's a couple Vision. minutes of silence. Yep. And then here's a little bonus thing that's like whatever it is it might be the like further seems forever thing where it's like the talky stuff in the background or there's a lot of other people that do like uh the same kind of thing like some the, a microphone's picking them up in the studio just kind of like messing around for a while um or sometimes it's a real track but it's a track that doesn't really fit somewhere else on the record and you i still don't feel like it ruins what happened before it but i don't like bonus tracks uh right. because i feel like bonus tracks are like, well, let's just throw these on this copy because we got to release a Japan version. And here's these two crappy songs that weren't good enough to make it on the record, but we'll put it as bonus tracks. Because especially now in the Spotify land of, you know, when that came on a, well, I mean, it was kind of the same thing on the CD, but I hate when I'm like, oh, that feels so good. The record's over, especially now that there are like, on these re-releases, they're having bonus tracks. And I have this great feeling. And then the stupid bonus track comes in and I'm like, oh, that just ruined the good taste in my ears that doesn't make well, any sense but you know what, what, I mean. what what i was thinking of was i used to always put it on um the jars of clay record yeah when i would go to sleep it's like, almost like falling asleep and then that secret track would come on yeah and oh my god that would scare me out of sleep yep. so fast that's a secret track see i'm okay with that now it did creep me out but uh but yeah that one so anyway on to the secret slash hidden track whatever we want to call it into the record which is technically what i looked up it is they considered it two songs the spoken word thing i'm not doing the spoken word thing here because we're not going to talk about that because it's just like a weird instrumental thing with a poem on top of it so i only did the actual song that comes after that which is this time imperfect there are no flowers no not this time there'll be no angels grazing the lines just these dark words i find I'd show a smile, but I'm too weak I'd share with you good, I only speak Just how much this hurts me I realize the last track is like 10 minutes long So it's hard to find 30 seconds that like represent it well And that's probably not the best 30 seconds I just wanted to have something with singing on it Because it does this cool reverse guitar stuff that leads into all that and then it turns into this weird crazy <laughs> stuff going on towards the out um and i like it as a bonus track i think it's cool kyle what are your thoughts i agree my emo lyric is just like all i loved i'm make-believe imagine heart i disappear <laughs> see now that one sounds that's a like freaking haiku <laughs> It might be count those syllables. <laughs> I think that's a haiku. Um, that one sounds more to me like he would just like fitting stuff into the syllables he needed. <laughs> like that sounds more like 
imagine heart i i mean like (laughs) that one doesn't make as much sense to me i i have to say that like i this is an album that i listened to and i didn't listen to it on i i didn't have an i i didn't have an ipod for a long time so um i was way behind so i listened to this album and i i kind of prefer this as like one long epic ending yep i still really like listening to albums obviously we have a podcast about albums so i am I like making playlists and stuff like that for certain situations, but man, I still love like the whole album thing, including sometimes the two minutes of silence between the last thing and the bonus track. Uh, It's, it's sometimes a nice thing that I like. Um, And it's, as, as I mentioned, kind of taken out of a few things now that we're in digital land on iPods and not even iPods anymore. It's iPhones now. Also, I don't know, you know, this is still on topic but a little different chris do you know why does anybody know why this is not available on vinyl or has never been available on vinyl well surely that's coming right so i i do kind of know the answer to that question it nitro records got bought by another label and so they kind of like harnessed onto the afi craze and so they sell all the vinyl copies yeah of everything up to um, the uh, the orange record with the sail, the ship on it. Yeah, um, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Right, 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 right. But everything after that goes to major label land where they're already and, printing money. They don't and, give a shit. Well, and so. also DreamWorks doesn't exist anymore. Right, right. Because yeah, but what's weird is, by Universal. But what's weird is it, they're releasing their they're releasing other new records by AFI, just not this one. Oh it, really? I'm yeah. thinking they're probably waiting for the anniversary. I think that I hope oh, so. That, yeah, no, no, I was gonna say. I bet really it'll come out in, in three years. That would be my guess. Like this one and December Underground are like not are not on vinyl, and I'm like, those are their two biggest records. That doesn't make any sense. Hmm. So I bet they'll come out. I'm I, I and like I said, the I don't know what happens legally when a label ceases to exist. Like who owns the rights to it? I right. Don't know. There's probably a lot of. Uh, all, I do know that if if you look up on, I, I tend to do this when we do these podcasts. Uh, but if you look at net worth of the guys in this band, like Davy Havoc's apparently worth like twenty million dollars. Wow, that's more than I yeah. thought it would be. Uh, no, exactly. So it makes you wonder if like the label is like. So Blake earlier had made a point about how these guys were really serious about the business side of it. Right. So you put it all together. Yeah. <laughs> and so what you get is major label buys DreamWorks, buys the contract, lawyers look at contract, yeah. right. And say, Hey, we want to make vinyl. And Davey Havoc goes, Oh, actually I have a right of refusal on this. And no is Interscope, right? The- Sorry. Yes. Interscope. Well, yeah, Sorry. I think, I, but, I but, think but, so. But you have to think that there was some clause in there where, like the guys in the band were like, eh, we're good. Yeah. We're going to wait. I bet it'll come out in 2023. That's I my guess. So. Um, okay. So let's talk about, you know, lasting impressions. I think that we know most of these, but like, do y'all think it holds up? Yes. Yep. I feel the same way for the most part about it. Like, I feel like I like it. I think it's really unique, but it honestly, it's not something I like go like, Oh, I'm going to listen to that record. Um, I don't know. I just, I really hadn't listened to it in a long time, but I do like it. And it's just one of those weird things for me. It's like, it's like, I don't love it so much that I want to spin it all the time, but I think I'm, uh, it's like I said, I think it's just a voice thing for me. I think it just grates me a little bit too much. Um, although he's super talented. I'm not denying that. 
yeah. at all. Um, is it their best album? I can't even answer because I've never listened to any other AFI album, honestly. I'm I, one of those guys. I have no idea. These guys have such a deep, uh, deep They bench. got a lot. Pre and post this record. Yeah, they've made a ton of records. I feel like I, I feel like with AFI, you almost have to put every song out there and kind of compare them that way. I don't know if you compare the album, but I Kyle, will say, did you listen to did you listen to the other ones, Kyle, at all? I mean, so you... I, I I've listened to the past ones like a little bit. I've listened to all of their new stuff, and okay. and I like it. But like to me, this this record and the record after it, December Underground, are yep. like. Those are the the mastheads. Those are the big ones. And really, I was say the same thing. You know that little moment uh, that we talked about on. Um, oh shoot! What is what? What song was that? Seasons, uh, death of seasons. Um, that little electronic moment. Like you see a ton more of that electronic element on, De- on December Underground. Yeah, and so like to me, they're they're so very different. But um, this is a really good record the critic consensus on this one would be that it's the best one. Yeah. I mean, that's clearly what I read. And this is one of those records that does line up like that, where the critics and the fans seem to actually be in, uh, in total harmony on the fact that like the critics were like, wow, this is good. And, uh, I guess it sounds like some of the AFI fans were poo pooing on it, but I mean, they're idiots. Yeah. They're dumb. Um, Well, they're just used. They they were just used (laughs) to what they were used to. This was different, but yeah. But no, then, but, 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 obviously, what, what, then a what, what, ton of people got into them. So it's like that doesn't always line up like that. And I don't trust critics all the time. I mean, you know, the famous example of that is that Rolling Stone dogged on Pinkerton <laughs> when it first came out. Yeah. So uh, you know, they're they're wrong sometimes. But you know, there was definitely a consensus among critics that this was a good record. And I I don't see a lot of that. I don't see anyone um, hyping one of their other ones as better than this one. Uh, what about uh, Desert Island songs? Or sorry, is it their most important album? It's got to be yeah. right. I mean, yeah, it's the one absolutely. It's Definitely. the one that made him twenty million dollars or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> was it? Yeah, that's why yeah. he's worth twenty million. I think the bass line tour. from De- that song on uh, Miss Misery made him twenty million dollars. That was it. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, what about Desert Island songs, uh, Chris? What are your two or three uh, that you would take on your Desert Island iPod? Um. So, I. Definitely love Silver and Cold. It's good. I think the ending of that song is what makes it so perfect. Um, Girls Not Gray, I just have to go with because <laughs> as a as a younger dude, like hearing that, I don't know, there was something very special that if any younger people are listening will never know about hearing a band that you kind of thought was cool, like the opening um, riff of a guitar part or a drum part or anything. Um playing on the radio yeah like somebody else is like choosing that song and you're just hearing it and you have no choice over it i i know that's something that you can't even understand yeah <laughs> but it's... like hearing the opening drumbeat of like move along for all micro mm-hmm. rejects or hearing girls not gray like i think of those moments very specifically and then the first track who uh or what we haven't agreed on the name of yeah obviously can't... Uh, because the show where they opened up with that song and it was perfect, beautiful, and amazing. Kyle, what are yours? Um, mine are the leaving song part two, uh, dancing through Sunday and death of seasons. I think mine are, uh, the cellular dream. Ooh. 
I like. I really like that song a lot. That's a good, good song. Yeah. Um, I think I have to go with Silver and Cold too. Just the six eight man. I just love it. Uh, it's just got a great feel to it. The whole song. And I on the third one. I mean, I think I probably. I feel weird going with singles, but really, I mean, they picked really good singles for this for this record. Um, yeah. all three of them are really good. Um, I think if I have to pick one between those, it's probably Leaving Song Part Two. It's just a it's a great second track. It's a good single. Um, I remember that video. I couldn't remember which one it was, but I, oh, I, that's the one that sticks video. in me. It's a great yes. video. He does the and, kick. Uh, what? You remember that part? He like does like a kick. Oh like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's pretty. You're like that's no, a I remember, freaking I, rock I remember star. Thinking, I remember yeah. thinking like this guy is like the real deal, man. Yeah. <laughs> For yeah. real. Uh, what about Nobody's Perfect? I mean, are we probably going with the Great Disappointment? Great Disappointment, yeah, <laughs> okay. no doubt. That works for me. Yeah, Kyle, Kyle, Kyle. You, on, you on board? I Here's the thing. Because I want it to be real when it happens, guys, I'm not going to join you this time on that. <laughs> <laughs> because I like, I like that song. You okay. want to make some uh, pretend... Uh... We don't need to make fake moments happen on this show because real moments happen all the time. That's true. Like we we agree on songs all the time that we didn't plan on, and so I want those moments to stay real. Okay, you know what? To be fair, I'm gonna I'm gonna change mine too. What? Since wait, you wait, are. wait, wait, wait! You guys are now you're <laughs> no, 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 up no, no, on no, no, me. no. Only because if I really had to pick something, it would be the poetic part of the hidden track. Okay, like that's the okay. thing that I 100 yeah. skipped, especially if they're making it its own track. Yeah, right? no, I mean it's yeah like. Well, I mean, I might skip to the part where the guitar starts, but like yeah. that whole intro thing with the kid reading a poem, nah, not for me. So I, that would be my like, get it. But it's not really a song on the record, so I don't know. So it's, it's between those two. If we're talking about the real record, I'm talking about The Great Disappointment would be mine. If if I can include that first half of the hidden track, I'd say that. You can't. <laughs> Kyle, go. Not allowed, sorry. <laughs> I, I don't have one. I mean, like, I don't okay, think... Okay, so Kyle picks... Nothing. Yeah, okay. Blake Nothing. picks a pretend part of a pretend song. It's not really a song. Yeah, it's it like, seems I, like I'm the only one that actually picks something. But that's true. Okay. Listen, Chris, listen, Chris wins. <laughs> the thing uh, is, what about grower not a shower? Is there one on this record that you guys maybe didn't like back in 2003, but liked more later, or even just you know not on your first spin of the record? Um, I didn't like the the long outro, but like as I listened to the record more, it it grew on me. I do like. I, I like the freaking 15 minute long track. I had less patience for that kind of stuff yeah. back then. Cause you know, like I'm in the car, I want to hear something rocking or, but, uh, I do, I do appreciate stuff like that a little bit more now. I don't, like I said, I don't like this, the poetry stuff. It, it's right. kind of like a little too much for me on the artsy side, but, um, yeah, I'm with you on that. That makes sense to me, Chris. So I actually picked uh dancing through Sunday because at the, at the time when this record came out, like guitar solos really pissed me off. Yeah. Like, cause I was like, Oh, just only rednecks like guitar solos. But like later in life, I was like, Oh, that's really cool. It's because you can do the tapping. Yes. It's because you don't know what you got till it's gone. Okay. That's the problem. When I, when I reheard the guitar solo of this song, I was like, this guy can play the guitar and he's like 26 years old too. So yeah. um, Yeah. That, that guitar solo of that song, made it for me yeah we really didn't know what we were missing until all the guitar solos went away i and know now, isn't it so sad now like, when i hear one i just love it i know 
Well, I think that's it for us. Uh, thanks for listening. And again, if you like what you hear, please consider giving us a glowing review on iTunes. Five stars only, please. Five stars only. And of course, uh, please subscribe. So new episodes just show up on your phone when we release them. You can send us comments, disagreements, or suggestions to info at Finding Emo Pod, or we're on Twitter at Finding Emo Pod. Oh man, I'm like not saying that correctly. On Twitter at Finding Emo Pod, <laughs> or Facebook at Finding Emo Pod, or Instagram at Finding Emo Pod. All the same thing. It's fantastic now that we're not banned from Twitter. (laughs) I'm sure they'll think we're Russian trolls, you know, now that we're up against the election and they'll ban us again. But uh, the next episode... Vote for your comrade. Yes. (laughs) Uh, The next episode we're going to do is Jack's Mannequin, Everything in Transit, which is one of my favorite records. So I'm excited to do that one. Uh, Until then, we will catch you next time.